0: This is Travel Sleep Repeat,
1: a travel podcast that shares experiences.
0: We'll hear from people all over the world that share the same passion for travel while providing insight, trading stories and knowledge on different places we've been and all things that we've seen.
1: Recorded in the UK and Canada with a new episode every Monday. Hi Courtney.
0: Well, hi Aunt. how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. Just ready for my Monday to get started here. I'm super excited about our VIP guest today, our first guest it, of season two.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm looking forward to this one. I've got to admit I know very little about the topic
0: I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to admit, too, I was Googling some facts right before this call, too, because they were going to sound so stupid. But um, we have my good friend Seth on today, and Seth is an expat in Qatar. Uh, he lives in the city of Doha, which is in the middle of East. Uh, hi, Seth. Hello. And so we're going to talk about all things uh, expat life and touch and talk about as much as we can about Qatar. Are we saying it right, Seth?
2: Yeah, that's the way I used to say it, but uh, we, I guess we say Qatar now, or Qatar, or uh, I suppose there's different ways to say it, but Qatar works.
0: Qatar, okay, so we'll just get started, and why don't we do a little bit of an intro on you, and do you want to tell our listeners? Uh, a bit about your travel bio, starting with when you were quite young, because I know you kind of started traveling when you were with your family and living over in Ireland when you were super young, right?
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, I suppose we started traveling when I was about four years old out of the bright lights, Spirit River. Uh, (laughs) When I think back about it now that I'm older, I mean, I'm over 40 now, but my mom drugged, uh, my brother and I, Halfway across the world, she had a, she was under 20, 25, I think, at the time. So uh, we first we went to Greece. We lived there for a couple of years, and from Greece we moved over to Ireland, and we stayed there. I think we moved back to Canada in 1988.
0: For our listeners, Seth and I grew up in small town northern Alberta, Spirit River. Seth grew up around that area as well. So to be traveling that extensively in the 80s was quite a feat, and it was actually kind of unheard of. Would you agree, Seth?
2: Yeah, I'd certainly agree. I mean, when I think back now, my brother and I running around some of those airplanes uh, on the way to Greece and about 200 passengers smoking, uh, you certainly don't see that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure.
0: So, so you came back and then you, and then after that, did you, would you think that you had a bit of the travel bug and did you, what was your next big trip after living over in Europe when you were super young?
2: I suppose after living in Europe, um, just at the end of high school, I went to Australia. I was about 18 years old, so I uh, went over to meet some relatives there, and I ended up staying for the better part of a year. Uh, went through New Zealand as well, hitchhiked all over the North Island. Didn't quite make it to the South Island, which I regret, but uh, uh, yeah, that was the next big trip, and then back to Spirit River, and back to work from there.
0: And so do you want to tell our listeners what you do for a living or what and why you're in Qatar and what brought you there?
2: Yeah, I guess uh, at the moment, uh, I'm kind of a casualty of the oil patch in Alberta, you could say, um, was uh, working in Canada and then things started to take a nosedive, I suppose, in the uh, oil oil sands business. So then I decided that I better... Head for greener pastures, and I uh, uh, was rotating for the better part of a decade, a month on, a month off, and kind of got tired of that, away from the family. So uh, Lindsay and I decided that we'd uh, take the opportunity in Qatar and see where it takes us.
0: So when we, when you say for the better part of a decade, you weren't just haven't just been working as an expat in one place. You have extensive experience in all sorts of countries all over the world so can we start with where you started working overseas and where your first um what do you call it hitch first
2: first rotation I guess
0: yeah first rotation was yeah <clears throat> I,
2: I guess the first one for me was in New Zealand um that was shortly after I was out in Nate when I finished college I worked for a drilling fluid company and At some point in the first couple of years, they were shorthanded and it was quite busy internationally. So they sent me for just a month, in fact, to New Zealand. So that was the first one.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, After that, I I guess I continued in the same line of work for a few years. And I had been to uh, Thailand and Tunisia after that. Uh, Mostly work, but as well a little bit of uh, uh, fun. When, When we had downtime, I used to go down and meet up with quite a few friends from Grand Prairie. On Ko um when they moved the rig, so that was uh, that was definitely fun, including um, your
0: wife Lindsay, right? At the time, cause she's a big my traveler. yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Including my and now so wife, and so she
0: was Lindsay. she was living in Thailand, so she's also a big traveler at heart as well. So you guys did okay. a lot of had a lot of fun there together. Okay, yeah, so I, go on.
2: I guess uh, yeah, we're both kind of nomads. I suppose we like traveling, we like experiencing new cultures, seeing new. Uh, people, new sites, new things, so new food especially. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess after Thailand, yeah, I I went back to Canada. I worked, I guess, I don't know, probably four years in Canada. I was working downtown Calgary for a few years with my company that I work for now. And I kind of, I wanted some different experience. So I asked them to move me into some different operations. And from there, I went to Angola. I was still a month on, a month off. I worked in Angola for I don't know three and a half years or so, which was a beautiful country. In fact, Angola has a lot of potential. If you uh, I don't know if you've ever been in Africa, but um, when you see when you see the uh, the countryside and the beaches and the, the trees and you know vegetation and topography there, it's uh, it's amazing. In fact, you'd never expect it. At least I didn't. I had a little bit of culture shock when I first arrived. But um
0: can we touch a little bit more on angola and about what it was like living there because you we talk about you working a month on a month off when you were working you were offshore on a rig correct
2: yeah i was offshore i was on a drill ship in angola or a couple different drill ships so i mean you don't get the real sense of living there to be honest with you because you're in the airport then you're offshore for your month then you're back in the airport and then you're you're back to canada so
0: and so what would a day, like how many hours a day would you be working when you're on a month on on an offshore rig?
2: Jeez, depends on what's going on. I mean, in, in my role there, uh, I was working as a senior drilling supervisor. So it's, uh, man, you can be up for three days, depends on what's happening.
0: And so when you have a day off, what does a day off look like when you're on one of those big rigs?
2: A day off does not exist on one of those. Right, that's
0: what I mean. Do you even get a day off?
2: No, you go there and you work for your full month, and then uh, the uh, bonus at the end is you have a you have a whole month off.
0: And yeah, and then you have to see so you travel home, which is usually quite far. And so, would you say that you get quite a bit of cabin fever, or Are you just so immersed in work? in the, in those situations that it doesn't even phase you?
2: It depends on what's happening at home. I mean, you, you have to miss things, right? Because you've got a month on a month off schedule, so you don't get to see everything. You you miss a lot what your kids are doing. You miss what your uh, wife and family and friends are doing, but at the same token, you work half the year. So I mean, you have to take the good with the bad. You can't have, you can't have uh, your cake and eat it too, I guess.
0: Right. So for, so from Angola, you visited a few other places, but this might have been kind of the start of you deciding you need to settle down and doing the one month, one month, one month on, one month off thing it was pretty grading on your family life and social life. So you went from Angola to where?
2: Well, next time, to- to- no, I went to UK actually. I never did get back oh, yes. to Canada. Yeah, things kind of, as I was saying earlier, things kind of started to dec- decline and then they really never picked back up. And, uh, in the Canadian market for, for my line of work. Yeah. So I, I went to UK and I was uh, working out of Aberdeen, I guess for the better part of three, just uh, around three years. With a little intermittent stop uh, in Papua New Guinea, just a couple of trips there.
0: That's pretty impressive. Hey, Ant?
2: Yeah, definitely. I was
1: just thinking, um, I when I was in Southeast Asia a couple of years ago, I met a, a, a girl out there who was on the same tour as us, who... She flew from, I think she flew out of somewhere on the west coast of the States. She was American. She flew out via helicopter over to the oil rigs. Um, I think she worked for Shell. She went over to the oil rigs for two weeks. Um, and then she would come back and have like a few weeks off. Um, and that's when she would do the bulk of her traveling. So I guess it's a, a sim- very similar situation.
0: I think she was from Texas. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. Like even in Papua New Guinea, not very many people get to even go to Papua New Guinea. So you, what, can you tell us a little bit about Papua New Guinea and your experience there?
2: Yeah, to be honest with you, that was one of the most amazing places I've ever seen. Um, where we were located, there's no roads in there. Uh, we had to take helicopter in. All the equipment that we brought up to the rig site was, was helicoptered in. It was brought up uh, on the river up to, we had a staging area called herd base and then uh, we would bring it in by chopper so until the, the the well site was built it was virgin rainforest I guess and in then in the mountains in Papua New Guinea it was quite amazing
0: it's like going back in time hey
2: yeah absolutely it's uh, yeah it's definitely they definitely have some of their uh, culture preserved there you could say
0: so when either, so when you were in Aberdeen were you offshore as well?
2: I was rotating offshore, yeah. I spent, uh, well, I was working always offshore, um, but I spent a little bit of time in Aberdeen here and there as well, and uh, up around Invergordon and uh, Cromarty. We, we had the rig stacked at one point in the Cromarty Firth uh, because it was too rough. We used to go up, actually, we were drilling west of Shetland. I don't know if you know, uh, maybe Ant knows exactly where that is on a map, but yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's no shelter up there. so. We would get storms coming in around the tip of Greenland or up from eastern Canada, just belting our location. So it was, uh, yeah, was that was also quite an experience.
0: So, uh, so now all of these experiences. So Papua New Guinea from Papua New Guinea, then you went to Qatar, correct?
2: No, I had another stop in between. We we were in Ivory Coast. I just did uh, one trip there. But again, uh, West Africa, deep water, uh, offshore. Um, so
0: for our listeners, in and out. When, when me and my friends think about what Seth does, it's hard to kind of wrap your head around it. But there's that movie. What's that movie called? It's when they had that big oil spill, Seth?
2: They remade yeah, it's the Yeah, it's a Hollywood production. It's but still. Deep water Horizon, where Marky Mark, the electric technician, saves the rig. So I'm not sure exactly if that's how it would go down, but nonetheless. But that's what you
0: do though. That's what you do. Like you would it's, say, it's pretty similar
2: it, similar installation. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is actually quite impressive. So from popping all over the world, you're now based out of Qatar. And how long have you been there?
2: I've been here just over two years. Um I came November 2017. I did the first 10 months by myself because Lindsay and uh, the kids were still back in Canada. Uh, she had to finish off teaching in Calgary, her contract, and Mally had to finish the school year. So, And then after that, there's no point in coming in the summer because it's extreme heat. So they ended up staying until uh, mid-August 2018.
0: And Oh, yeah, so she's been there over a year now. Wow, time just flies. So when you say extreme heat, how hot?
2: Oh, man, 50 degrees Celsius with 100% humidity. Wow. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine what that must
2: be. <laughs> a lot of people say that about minus 40 degrees in the winter, but I'm telling you, at least you can dress for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so
0: what do you do on a day like that? You can't go outside.
2: Well, I'm not working offshore anymore. I'm in the office here now, so home every night. But, you know, really feel for the guys who are outside working that because they do, they put in a full 12-hour shift but we 've got to uh we 've got heat stress management protocol in place to make sure that uh, nobody gets sick from heat stress heat stroke uh, i mean that 's the last thing you want so depending on the heat index based on humidity and temperature then uh, they 'll take certain breaks uh, almost the same as we do in the winter in Canada so usually the guys can work uh, thirty minutes on and then they have to go we 've got air conditioned containers and fans and everything around the rig where they can go in and cool off for 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it takes.
0: So outside of work on a, on a 50 degree day or that time of year, are people out and about is, it, is or is it everybody's inside with air conditioning?
2: No way. Nobody's outside. I mean, <laughs> even to walk across the street from my office to another office for a meeting, we're driving or taking the driver because when really? you arrive, your shirt is going to be soaked to the bone. Yeah, you're going to be drenched.
0: Oh my goodness. And how, like how long every year is it that hot? What's the season?
2: I guess it usually starts to warm up in May. We're actually heading into the nice, uh, nice weather period here for the next five, six months, but in May it starts to ramp up. And when you get into mid July, mid August, then you're at the peak of the peak of the summer for sure.
0: Okay. So what's the tourism industry like there?
2: Well, you might be surprised. It's actually quite good. Um, it's a shame right now they've got the blockade on, so it's difficult to travel uh, other areas in the GCC, but Qatar is a major hub. I mean, they've got long-haul flights with Qatar Airways, and you can get to anywhere in the world from here. So even a lot of people are, are connecting. I know uh, Mally's auntie, she was flying to see family in uh, in Thailand from the UK, and she connected here. Lindsay and Mally went and met up with her for the afternoon. Um, so, I mean, people are coming here. It's a, it's a safe place to visit, certainly, if you want to experience the Middle East. It's, uh, it's got uh, plenty of interesting buildings, plenty to see, um, plenty to do. In fact, there's a lot of sporting events here. Just coming up now, we've got the, the Golf Cup is starting this week. So we'll be seeing some football matches. We've got tickets to uh, Qatar and the UAE on December 2nd. And they've also, they're hosting the Club World Cup it's coming up in December. So this is, I guess, all the Champions Leagues internationally. Um, mm-hmm. Whoever has won them comes to play the Club World Cup. So I'm excited. I'm going to get to see the mighty Red Redmen. Liverpool are coming here. Uh, it's going to be a good time.
0: So if you're going to go to Qatar, do not go in the summer months?
2: Yeah, certainly not. No, if you want to get out and about and go outside and enjoy the beach, the beaches are beautiful. I mean, Lindsay's... Three times a week, she's out paddle boarding. She's got her little crew there and uh, take advantage of the ocean and the beach. Um, and you can go ahead, and sorry, Court.
0: I'm sorry. Is it similar to Dubai?
2: To be honest with you, I haven't been to Dubai yet. No, we're waiting. Okay. Uh, we're waiting to do that. Certainly, we're going to go visit. Um, but yeah. I can't comment on similarities myself.
0: I, it is safe, though, because I think that when I, when I was doing some research, it was saying it's the 13th safest country in the world to visit.
2: It's absolutely safe here. Um, I mean, okay, we live in what's called a compound. It's a gated community. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Mally's out and about. She can run around the compound. It's uh, it's absolutely safe here. More so than we would allow in Calgary, to be honest with you. She's got a lot more independence and freedom here.
0: Oh, really? And how is she doing? Does she have like a lot of friends? And so you guys are in a compound. Does she have a lot of friends that are expats or are they more locals? What's her school like?
2: A bit of both, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah, she's got friends in the compound. She's got friends at her school. She's playing uh, soccer like a maniac. She plays three, four days a week with the Evo all girls club. And uh, Yeah. yeah, she's made quite a few buddies here.
0: And what, Qatar, it's very rich, correct?
2: There are a lot of rich people here, certainly. It's it's not uncommon when you're downtown. My brother put it the best. He said, when you're walking down in West Bay, it looks like you're in Sim City Build-It. It It must be an architect's dream here when you see some of the buildings.
0: Yeah, like futuristic, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Spare no expense on the design and the aesthetics, that's for sure. As I mean, the cars too, it's not uncommon to see uh, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, Rolls Royce, Phantoms. Uh, I think I counted 13 in a day when uh, Lindsay's folks were over here.
0: Oh my gosh. So when you're there and you're in Qatar, Doha is the capital, but there's not really much else, not much else like for civilization outside of the city, right?
2: Yeah, there's some other towns, but uh, Doha is definitely the center, yeah.
0: And what's the food like? What do you eat?
2: <clears throat> oh, they have some really nice local dishes, actually. Uh, Arabic food is great. We love it. Uh, it's not just limited to shawarma and kebab. Of course, you can get uh, majboos. And, uh, I mean, when they, have, when they have Ramadan, they have the iftar. Mm-hmm. So the spreads that these guys are putting on, it's like the, the biggest buffet you could imagine with a uh, 100 different dishes. It's quite amazing, really.:
0: So when you're saying that you're in a compound, do you, is, your, is there grocery stores in the compound, or is it just the like homes?
2: No, there's one uh, convenience store here where you can get the, the basic necessities. Um, mm-hmm. But you step out and there's uh, Monoprix which and Carrefour, which are both French, uh, I guess equivalent to save on foods.:
0: Okay, and yeah, what used. and do you guys drive?
2: Yeah. We both drive. Yeah. Um, takes a little bit to get used to that's for sure. But if we can drive here, we can drive anywhere.
0: Yeah. I'm just wondering if you're both, is it normal for everybody to drive there? Is it really, really busy or do you take public transport?
2: Actually they're just starting to open up the, uh, Metro. They don't have all the lines open yet. So more and more people are taking that, that are living, uh, uh, a little bit outside of the city. They've got some stations in some of the smaller uh, communities. But yeah, so, um, if you were, vi- I mean, so
0: if you're visiting, would you rent a car, or would you, could you rely on the metro? Would it be best to have a driver. You
2: could, well, you could rent a car. Um, I think they give you two weeks if you come with an international driving license. Um, some of the licenses are really easy to exchange. For example, the French, I think you can exchange in a day. Where our Canadian one, I think, it took me two months, and took Lindsay even longer to get it swapped over.
0: Oh, really. And I feel like I'm asking a million questions. Do you have
1: great normally? questions. <laughs> I was going to ask the question about the food. Food's always top of my list. Yeah. What's the food like? But I wonder if, Seth, you can talk about um, if, if somebody were to go there for, I don't know, a week, two weeks, what would be the highlights? What would be the things to do um, during the day and on an evening?
2: Well, certainly you have to uh, go dune bashing. That would probably be one of the top of, of my list. Um, head out to the desert if the weather is good. Get a driver though. Um, don't rent your own vehicle because some of the cliffs are not cliffs, but some of the dunes that these guys are not jumping off of, but driving down. Oh, they get they get pretty hairy, but it's an experience for sure. Um, head what out is to the Dune ca- bashing. Heading into the dunes with four by fours, and then they're driving up like two hundred foot dunes and driving down the other side, and um, oh, just gosh. bombing around the wow. desert. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that sounds it's fun. Quite hairy. It is. It's, it's a good time. But we've done it now with uh, all our friends and family. So Lindsay and I usually opt out <laughs> on the dune yeah. bash. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe it's
1: s- good to relieve, relieve some stress. You know, if you've had a hard day at work and you just go yeah. on Friday and do some dune bashing. Just, <laughs> oh, just give
2: her. We bought a. We bought a uh, I guess an older vehicle, an older four by four, so we could take our own out there rather than going with the guided tours because it can get kind of pricey um, so beach days, of course, beach is always good mm-hmm. beach, barbecue uh, camel races the camel races should fire up here right away actually, and that's that 's quite an experience you uh, you can't you can 't sit in the stands and watch them because the track is about ten kilometers long. So they have got, they've got an outer track where all the vehicles follow around and race around beside the camels. It's quite, uh, if you check it out on YouTube, you'll see what I mean. They, they've got little robots on the back with their little whips that are spinning around in a circle to keep the camels moving. It's, it's quite neat.
0: Oh, interesting. I'm going to look into that. Yeah. Can you, when you talk about the beach, what's the water like there? And is there any scuba diving?
2: It's crystal clear and blue. Uh, the sands are white sand beaches. They're gorgeous beaches, but uh, to be honest, I don't think the diving's that great here. Um, I'm not and, a diver, but I know you're you're uh, much more seasoned in that regard. But uh, I don't think the diving is great in Qatar.
0: So can so I know culturally you have to dress as like a tourist when you go to anywhere in the Middle East, you have to dress more appropriately. Like you have to cover your shoulders and your knees and everything. Would that be the same you have to dress a bit more modestly when you're on the beach and in certain areas
2: in Qatar? Yeah, in, in certain areas. Absolutely. If you go out of town, up to the beaches, um, I mean, uh, they're a little bit more remote. They're a little bit less populated, but yeah, certainly if you go into the, the hotel beaches in the city, um, then people are a little more modest. If you're out in uh, public places, women are covering their shoulders with a shawl or, or so on. Um, mm-hmm. No knee skirts, no spaghetti straps. It's just, uh, it's just the culture. I mean, it's 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 it doesn't affect your life to be honest with you.
0: No, you just have to respect it. But I know that the you know a lot of people might just show up with dressed pretty scadly and you have to be mindful about what the culture is there. Yeah, um, be
2: mindful, but I mean. Uh, Doha is also multicultural. It reminds yeah. me quite a bit like Canada. There's uh, there's an enormous amount of uh, Arabs, Filipinos, North Americans, uh, Europeans. There's, there's people from all walks of life here. But still respect the local laws and customs.
0: So what would you say would be your biggest surprise about living in Doha? I know it's kind of a loaded question, but something that you didn't expect or something that surprised you.
2: Well... I certainly didn't expect to play way more hockey than I ever did in Canada year round.
0: <laughs> I knew you were going to say
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. I did not expect that.
0: So you're quite that's into either. it. Hey, it's keeping you pretty sane too. Hey, like it's, have, it's like something to really d- jump into and, and you love it. You enjoy it. So yeah, that's cool.
2: It's, not that I'm that good at it, but it's definitely renewed my passion for, for playing hockey. Um, Made quite a few friends through hockey. Uh, lindsay has got a job through my hockey network, and um, no, it's, it's it's it was surprising, put it that way. But it's been that's great. pretty
0: ironic, isn't it?
2: In what sense do you mean?
0: Well, that you're going in the Middle East playing more hockey than you've ever played, even. Oh yeah, the, the North. we're in the <laughs> desert
2: and we're playing year round. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Are you getting pretty good?
2: Probably better than I was in Midget in Spirit River. <laughs> I don't know if I, um, that's very good.
0: <laughs> I remember um, when I saw you last time, which it must have been over a year ago now, you said that you were all bummed out because the ice times or something, getting were the league was shutting down. So clearly that didn't happen. Do you remember? No, actually,
2: I- yeah, it did. Uh, we're in a bit of a hiatus here now, so we're just playing some shinny. But we've got an excellent committee. And... Uh, everybody's working hard to get it back up and running and it it seems like it's imminent here in the new year so I'm pretty happy about that
0: so I have a question to you from the audience which is Jen just text me (laughs) (laughs) she said when are you coming home when are you coming to Grand Prairie
2: (laughs) I'm not so sure I probably probably next summer we'll have to make a trip up to Grand Prairie this time when we came back the girls were back for a couple months and I just mm-hmm. came back for two weeks, and you know how big Alberta is. I didn't want to waste – I wouldn't say waste, but, I mean, you burn up so much time if you're driving around the entire province trying to fit everybody in. So we went yeah. to Christina Lake, and we invited friends and family to come and see us there in a central location. We had, yeah, about 20 people, I think, probably turned out there. So it was good.
0: So you you didn't Jen make it didn't up come. north last time you are home?
2: Who no, didn't, didn't come? Didn't. Jen didn't come herself, so –
0: No, I know, but she just wanted to know: Are you when are you coming home? So that's that is my next question: Is what? How long is your? I don't know. Is it called posting? How long are you in Qatar for?
2: Well, we're here for another year, anyway. Um, Anybody who's listening to this (laughs) might not know that quite yet, but that's the case, anyway. Um, I mean, we're just trying to take it uh, take it as it comes. Lindsay and I make the best decisions for you Know the family in the future and considering what's available, uh, in mine and her line of work. So we just yep. have, to, have to take it as it comes, to be honest with you. All
0: right, ride the wave. So yep. I know, we don't like to get um too political on our podcast, obviously, even with Aunt being in the UK, it's super politically sensitive with Brexit, and then me being in Alberta. What if so I'm but I'm going to ask you, what is your general um What is your opinion on the whole Wexit movement in Alberta? (laughs) I have to ask you.
2: No, that's fine. You can ask me. Um, I'll give you my honest opinion. I don't think it's a good idea, and I certainly wouldn't vote for it.
0: So, Ant, I don't know if you're even aware of this or not, but there's this, we're stemming from off of your guys's. Nonsense over there. We have a new thing called Wexit, which is the West Canada wanting to exit Canada because of the oil and gas issues what's going on right now, mainly in Alberta and Saskatchewan. So, no, it's big. It's big. It's not just like, oh, like a little thing, like everybody from Alberta wants to exit. It's so ridiculous. And, I don't think um, it's just
2: because of oil and gas, though. I think there's a lot more to it, but I I just don't think it's a good idea.
0: No, I don't think it's a good idea either. But you are aware that that is alive and well, right, Seth?
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm following the news back home, and there's quite a few Canadians over here as well. So we chat about it, and everybody's got their own opinion. But...
0: Right. So for now, you guys are going to stay put because that's where the, you know the work is. And see what happens. That might change. I might have just blown that open to, I don't know if any of your closest friends and family are going to listen or be listening to this. So you might be safe. But that was a oh. question from the audience. Jen had.
2: I <laughs> know <no laughs> soon enough, anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. So do you want to give our listeners, being such an avid traveler, um, you've seen a lot of really remote places, a lot of different places, um, any tips or tricks or advice or anything that just comes to mind in regards to travel?
2: Honestly, when I travel, I just try and uh, don't put myself in strange situations and, you know, go with, go with uh, the lay of the land, try and try and respect the places that you are and uh, don't get out of your comfort zone. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a, It's common sense, I suppose, but uh, yeah, no, just try and try and go with the flow, keep yourself safe and have a good time while you're doing it.
0: You know, i I know that people that are listening to this, you're in this podcast, you do definitely sound like a lot more serious. Like you sound very professional. You are actually just for everyone listening is like one of the funnest people I know. So I think that, (laughs) what would be your opinion on that?
1: Yeah I just I was going to lead on actually with a, a question about the about connecting that with Qatar really you know how easy is it then let's say for a for a westerner or somebody from the UK or you know the states or Canada to go to Qatar and not get out of their comfort zone cuz I I you know if I were to go to Qatar I think because um, I've never been to the Middle East before, I think that would be very, very outside my comfort zone. Um, how easy yeah. is it for 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 somebody from the UK, let's say, to go to Qatar and live like a you know a Westerner? Because that's sometimes that's what people want, you know. Can yeah, I order-
2: maybe, maybe uh, I uh, said the wrong thing there. Um, because you, when you travel, right? Uh, of course, yeah, you want to get outside your comfort zone. You want to experience new things. But hmm. uh, when you come here it's going to be a bit of a culture shock. If you've never been to the Middle East, I can say the same for myself. Um, but life here is easy. I mean, when you, uh, when you spend a couple of years here, it's going to be hard to go back, back to the real world. Uh, everywhere you go is a five-star hotel with a, a top restaurant and you pull up the front and it's valet parking for free. And you've got, uh, I mean, three gardeners looking after your place every day. It's, it's really quite amazing the way it's set up here, but it's, uh, it's, it's certainly not the same as back home. So, you know, when
0: you, you know, when you talk about getting out of your comfort zone, I mean, I've never been to the Middle East either, but I definitely think that it's when you think about going to Asia, you know, it's the sensory overload, it's the chaos. You have to just be with it. You have to just succumb to it and, and kind of just take it on. Because when you try, I feel like when you're in places where they are out of your comfort zone, when you try to um, fight it, that's just when you're do you get what i mean like it's like when when you when you're in vietnam and it's just crazy chaos you just have to be like okay i'm just here it's fine it is what it is whatever happens happens right you can't you have to be very open-minded
2: i probably yeah i probably used the the wrong term there but what i what i should have said is maybe trust your spidey senses if you will you know recognize if you're getting into a strange situation and get yourself out of it before it escalates
1: yeah, I think I guess what I, I meant to ask was around, you know, the niceties and all the, you know, because we all go to places and we try to make it easy for ourselves. And what I mean by that is, you know, book it. And we often, Seth, we we give like um, our listeners some advice on where to book excursions or hotels or how to get about in a particular place. So, you know, using Uber or Lyft
2: or, you know, Oh yeah man Uber is uh, it's up and running here absolutely i mean uber is everywhere and it's and quite so, cheap it's and
1: quite so to, cheap. Book, so to book accommodation would you know is it the same would you be looking at hotel.com
2: or booking.com is it yeah you can find everything on expedia or hotel.com it's not a problem it's uh, there's tons of hotels in doha from uh, from all ranges i mean five star hotels all downtown anything that you want um, and a little bit outside of downtown i suppose they've got Radissons as well it's 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 definitely got lots of accommodation what we'll does still,
0: your accommodation where what are you living in apartment townhouse
2: no we've got a villa they call them villas actually so it's a well it's a concrete house um mm-hmm. inside the compound so we've got three uh one two three four bedrooms and Three bathrooms it's it's quite big in fact, it's bigger than a house in Calgary for sure.
0: oh really do you have a pool?
2: We don't have a pool but inside there's two pools in this uh, section and across the road there's another pool
0: and you can go and use them
2: yeah, absolutely it's got all the facilities in here. there's a soccer pitch, there's squash courts, there's tennis courts there's badminton courts it's uh yeah it's set up to it's set up for quality of life.
0: Uh, it does sound actually pretty good. I'm gonna to have to come visit, it, especially if you're there for another year.
2: That's, that's I, the thing. Uh, I I can't give Aunt too many tips about <laughs> about the traveling life in Qatar because we've kind of come in here as expats and everything's been made e- easy for us.
0: Right. So, what is on your what's on your agenda? What's coming up for you guys for travel, if anything? Do you have any holidays booked?
2: Well, we've got Lindsay's dad's coming here and Aiden actually all through December. Um, mm-hmm. After that, we don't really have anything in mind uh, until summer, but Lindsay definitely wants to do Jordan. So Jordan's on the list. We have to do Dubai. Um, she's already done Oman. Uh, you should get her on here eventually and, and get her to take you through Oman. She loved it. Uh, oh, for sure. uh, We've got Goa on the list we haven't done. Um, we did Turkey in, at the start of the year, which was awesome yeah your photos were incredible yeah you can get quite a few places from here
0: awesome and do you have any other questions about qatar
2: no no i think that's i will
1: you were just saying seth that you know you've not been able to you feel like you've not been able to give many kind of travel tips but for me about going to qatar but i'm already like looking at flights to (laughs) um it, it just seems it seems such a I I like the architecture you know in terms of it's you're going to see buildings and things that I've probably never experienced before being in the UK and so far away Um, you know and it so even that just interests me but also having the having the, the insights now that being able to go over there and and it's just nice it is being able to go over there not having a problem with transport being able to just grab an Uber and you know book things on a whim because as we've spoken about sometimes on this podcast is sometimes you like to be able to just be spontaneous and do something and you know that, that you've not set on your agenda initially but it, it sounds right on my sh- <laughs> it sounds right on my street Lifestyle I think
0: i think to wrap it all up too is it's a good for people that do want to visit the the middle east i think most people that they aren't maybe avid travelers or don't want to be too much out of their comfort zone they always go to dubai i think that for everyone listening is i think to wrap it up and as a whole don't disclude qatar because it's a really great option it has beaches it has it's safe it's easy to get around apparently and um
2: there's, there's plenty lots of, of sporting really cool events to too. Yeah. Keep, keep those in mind. I mean, if you like international tennis and football, there's, there's lots going on and the souk yeah. I didn't mention the souk. The souk is awesome. It's a market, uh, in Doha where you can, well, I mean, it's, it's the taste of the Middle East in there for sure.
0: Yeah. I would love to go to one of those markets. I have like a vision in my mind of what it would be like. And you could also, if anyone's visiting Qatar, you could, Reach out to Seth, and he can take you doing <laughs> bashing. No, I'm just kidding.
2: No, <laughs> oh, you can reach out. <laughs>
0: um. Anyways, any other questions, Ant Are we good? Is that a wrap? No, I think guitar? that's
1: been. I think that's been a great overview for, for for me certainly, and for people that are listening to this. Um. You know, you're right, Courtney. Don't. You know, if you're wanting to go to the Middle East, certainly don't exclude
0: places outside. Um. Of you know, Out of Dubai. I know everybody. Abu Dhabi or Dubai, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for definitely. sure. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, I know it's really hard to get people. Like, I really appreciate you coming on, Seth, because first of all, I haven't caught up with you in so long. And also, just all the time changes and everything. Um,
2: yeah, it's hey, hard to time, get us all. What time is it there at the minute? So. It's 8.01. Just.
0: Yeah. Up. So it's 10 o'clock in the morning for me. And then, Ant, what time is it for you?
1: just past 5 p.m
0: right so it's really nice you can be our first guest and I'm, I'm really happy that you were on so i think that's a wrap for today hey guys
1: yeah that's a wrap thanks seth
0: thank well, you thanks for having
1: me guys
2: appreciate you it, it we'll t- t- nice catching up court
0: you bet i'll talk to you guys later Bye now. Bye. now.